Welcome in. It's 300 Yards to Unknown, a golf podcast that's... I screwed that up. It's a podcast that starts at golf and goes wherever. Joining me as he does every week, this time giving me a few minutes on a Tuesday afternoon on his birthday. It's Eric Patterson. Happy birthday, Epat. Thank you, sir. It's uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm My day is kind of being overshadowed by Mickelson's 50th, which is understandable, <laughs> but uh, nice to know that we're celebrating on the same day. Are you, are, do you have any celebration plans? Are you doing something this evening? Like what's, what's going on? It's a little tough with COVID. Can't really get together with many people yesterday. I played, played golf yesterday, going to play some more golf tomorrow. So we're surrounding uh, my birthday with golf, which can't complain about that at all. I want to talk about that because you, you know, without context leaked this like (laughs) silky smooth swing on Twitter during like quarantine and I'm like, how this dude's like got the greatest swing. What's your handicap, Eric? It's way higher than you'd imagine. I don't even I don't even keep a handicap. I don't play enough. Um, At least it looks. But like good. I'll, I'll flirt with low 80s on a good day. Oh, I. It's between the ears for me. It's me and speed. I got the yips. Speaking. Oh my God. We okay. Let's just jump into this. Last week. Um, Today's your birthday. It felt like Christmas because golf was back after 91 days off. And I'd argue it was worth the wait because we got a leaderboard that was, I mean, I don't even know how to describe this. I was kind of expecting there to be chaos. I guess it kind of ended that way. Berger jumps up there. Coke rack is in there, but like every play, every greatest player of the last five years is sitting at the top of this leaderboard on, on Sunday. It could, yeah, it couldn't have gone any better. There's obviously there were some guys who were rusty, as in like Rom. I mean, yeah. Fowler showed a little rust, which is surprising. DJ, but when you get that many good players at a you know a course where there's it's kind of hard to separate, you're gonna get a bunch leaderboard with some a lot of names, and it was yeah definitely a treat uh, to have that back for the first week, and hopefully we can get that this week as well. But I mean, last week was it had everything, everything. It lived up, lived up to expectations and more. Um, I think some ma- massive storylines were Bryson, obviously, Speed, roller coaster. Um, yeah, and then Berger coming, coming at the end there and kind of stealing it. No one was really paying attention to him at all. All right, we'll just go. We'll just go on that list. Bryson, uh, Bryson's now what looks to be five hundred pounds. I, I don't know what he actually is. Two thirty, I think he told us. Two thirty-five, yeah. trying to get to two seventy. That's got to be a joke. Uh, but like, I don't care how he looks he plays awesome man i so last week i kind of bite my tongue you know i'll I'll reel back the take about him not being able to play at these shorter courses but um i didn't think he had like maybe the accuracy with the power because he was just you know taking it over every dog leg there was and just giving himself you know little 90 yard wedges in um it was i got to applaud the the effort for him to transform his body and game to, to turn out that type of tee to green performance was, you know, a marvel to watch. And I like this week will be again, interesting to see how he plays on another kind of target type course. But once, yeah, once he opens it up at a, you can, where you can actually bomb it and like you're gaining that much more of an advantage, it's going to be, he could run away with some things. That, that, that right there is the scary part. You, uh, I want to get the quote exactly right. But last week you basically made this analogy. Like he's got this brand new Ferrari. Now he's going to put it in a school zone, something like that. 
and, much, yeah. And that was correct about Colonial. You're not supposed to be able to do that to Colonial. You're not supposed to be able to cut it over the corners this week as well. Harbortown, I think even more so, you can't, you, you can't just overpower this course. There's a lot of natural landing areas. If he does what he did last week at Harbortown, one, my, my brain will literally explode. But also, yeah, he, he's, he's going to win everything. Because when we get to courses where bombing it actually matters, he's going to win everything. Yeah, this week at Harbortown, like, I know there's a lot of kind of forced you got to lay up on some holes, but I mean, if you got to lay up, say you got to lay up to 280, but the clear is like 330. Bryson might be pulling out the big stick and going for the whole thing. Like he's going to be taking lines that most guys will be just not even considering because of the carry distance involved. Um, I know that Harbor Town does tend to get like a little narrower as you move further down the fairways, but I don't know if that's even going to change his um, strategy at all. So I'm again enthralled to watch. Uh, Bryson rip at it. I mean, last Saturday, I think um, he, he wasn't really doing much last week. There was a stretch. He didn't all of the uh, third round. He'd had one Eagle, no birdies. It was kind of, he kind of went into a lull. I think. Uh, yes. Um, I don't know. I threw out a tweet. Uh, when do we start firing up the Bryson's, you know, too heavy has no stamina takes and it looked good for a while because he wasn't doing much. And then he just kind of went on another little birdie tear. Yeah, after well, after you tweeted that out about that little, he, I mean, he stalled out in the middle of, I think it was the, like third or it was the end of Friday into Saturday, something like that. He went like twenty seven or twenty eight holes without a birdie. He snuck an eagle in there, but you're right. And I, I so I started following that, and I was like, oh, this is this is he's cooked. This is over. Um, what I'm interested to see about this week is if he takes the lines because he he's built himself to do this. So now I feel like you have to, you have to at least try, you have to be all in on this. I can't watch a 240 pound Bryson hit six iron down where everybody else is hitting. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, and he's the type of guy that's like, well, I've invested in this. I I, I'm, I have to at least see if I can just take driver on every hole. I mean, he still hits his six iron. I, so 17, you know, he was in the hunt last week. He, yep. uh, he airmailed the green on 17, but he said he hit six iron off the tee. He thought it was more than, you know, the, the exact club that he should have hit. And it went 240. So um, he's going to be hitting like eight irons off the tee at Her- Heritage joke. if he's got to hit it like 220. I don't like, it's just going to be, uh, again, he's had good results there. So he knows how to play the course. I just don't know how how well he's going to play it with this, with the new power, but um, yeah. he's he smart enough to, to figure it out. I, I'm going to stop doubting like him. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that's probably smart. Uh, the other big body transformation that I did not see coming, Gary Woodland's down 25 pounds. I swear to you, Eric, Thursday morning featured groups. I think he played Thursday morning. Whenever he was in featured groups, I was like, who, who is that? I, I literally could not figure out who it was. He wears that big hat. So he still has like that big head and like this little neck and this little body. And, and it's still confu- like every time I saw him, I couldn't believe it was him. Yeah. When we were tracking Bryson's weight gain, I actually, cause you know, Puma puts out all these different shirts and whatever and gets their guys to promote it. And then Woodland posted one. I was like, I, I guess maybe I don't have enough of pull in the Twitter sphere, but I, I just tweeted. I was like, is uh Woodland giving all his weight to Bryson because he <laughs> looks like he looked gaunt. Like he looked, like he hadn't eaten in a while. So he was, uh, he looked really, really skinny. And we saw that um, this week, he lost like 25 pounds in an effort 
to uh, increase his stamina. So the next, I think he wants to play the next 10 of 13 weeks, which is a lot of golf. Um, it's a lot of yeah, golf. He looked, he looked a lot different too. It's a lot of golf, basically like in the middle of the summer in a lot of hot places. Um, played well? Yeah, but well, uh, Bryson put on 25, Woodland put, take, took off 25, um, both of them with different, the same objective, but going about it a different way. So it's golf. You can do it a, a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And b- both could work. Woodland. Um, I love this week, by the way, this yeah. is like, this is the, the forced layup, the small greens, uh, sounds a lot like Pebble beach to me. Yeah. You know, you know everyone's talking about a stinger off the tee, keeping it below the wind. Um, yeah. he seems everyone's kind of on board. I think he was like 8,400 on DraftKings, which yeah. just sounds like 35, percent ownership maybe more it's gonna be the there. most he's gonna be the most uh owned golfer on the slate i imagine but yeah, i'm excited to watch him it's yeah it's, it's, he led the field in the, uh, approach last week so um should be should be a good week for him i would, I would expect it daniel berger wins a golf tournament in 2020 um with we should have seen it coming he was trending he was certainly trending that um, break didn't happen the I believe I saw that he was twenty to one on Sunday because of that stacked leaderboard and everything that was going on. So sixty six to one before the tournament started, twenty to one on Sunday, and it's kind of weird. Like when the dust settles, Daniel Berger's your champion. I don't know. the The question that I've kind of been posing is: Did Daniel Berger win this golf tournament, or did someone or like multiple people lose this golf tournament? Yeah, I, I wrote, uh, so heading into Saturday, I kind of wrote three guys to look at going into the weekend. Berger was one of them. And then I just pegged the, I pegged the winning score to be at like 17 or 18 under, which, you know, I think Xander would have won like five under on the final round to get to 18 under. And he yep. just, no one kind of separated themselves. And that's why you saw guys like Kokrak with a putt to win on, or a putt to get, that would have got him into the playoff on 18. Um, I just don't think enough guys made that separation move that they needed that i guess put burger into contention well it definitely got more difficult over the weekend because uh the 36 hole lead was 11 under so you're looking at this like okay maybe it gets you know it's gonna get a little bit harder maybe it gets to 17 18 right like that that would have been what my logical guess would have been if things were really easy maybe it gets to 19 but like a lot of guys seems like they hit the wall going into the weekend obviously conditions got a lot more difficult um, Morikawa missing. So here's a couple of things, uh, without fans, th- like this whole dynamic of how that Sunday ended completely changes, you know, like Berger and these guys, like they don't know where they're at with, I mean, there's scoreboards, but like without the roars, without like knowing what happens. And then you get the great visual of Berger, like standing on like the deck or whatever, watching yeah, Morikawa, putt on 18 to post 16 under like you would never have seen that if there was 25 you know 20,000 people out there it was a nice intimidation factor by Berger going out there I don't know if he I don't know if Morikawa saw him but yeah that's definitely a way to usually they're in a tent watching on tv but Berger was just on the clubhouse patio watching how the tournament was finishing in front of him but uh I mean good for Berger I it's uh definitely Nice to see a guy overcome injury like that and make his way back. But at the same time, a couple harsh lip outs um, that kind of helped, definitely helped go along a long way for his win. Um, that Xander one on 17, uh, I remember, 
I remember when they went to like the worm cam, you know, that one that's right on the grass. Yeah. I was like, I thought to myself, I hate this camera because there's so many replays and highlights of this camera just with a harsh lip out. And then I watched it go around, not drop and then spit out the back of the front of the cup. And I just, I don't know, maybe I just thought that one into existence, but that one stung. Because they never show that camera when it drops. They never show the I replay hate that, of that camera when it drops. Just go yeah. Show me the full putt. Show me his reaction. I don't need to see just the ball. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do without that one. What did you think of the telecast? I liked it. I thought they did a, a fine job um, with limited staff. I wish I kind of I wish they showed more bad golf, which um, I don't think they did enough of because yeah. you know we had. McElroy was everyone was talking about him being in contention and he shot I think he shot 41 on the front um and my my issue is just put together maybe if it's two hours into the broadcast but put together a little highlight package of him stinking you know hit why he shot 41 why he's no longer in the conversation and then just be done with it because if you're watching at home I think they showed one shot of him pulling out from the bunker so you're like oh there's McElroy making a good shot but where is he on the leaderboard like tell the story of just more than the leaders i just thought that's but i think they do that every week it really had nothing to do with them you know coming out of covid uh with limited staff i just it's just a a pet peeve of mine and i think that's right i mean okay so there's a lot of layers here um i thought they did pretty good for what you mentioned which is they didn't have anybody there like absolutely skeleton staff and a packed leaderboard. The last time we saw a packed leaderboard like this with all this action was Genesis, and they completely blew it, right? So, like, it it's wasn't hard the, with that many guys. It's yeah, so hard. but it's, So it certainly wasn't the easiest thing to come back to, having a leaderboard like that, having a lot of people that you want to see. But I thought they did a pretty good job. You're right. The only thing we didn't see was um, Spieth, hit his, Spieth hit a tee shot OB. Yeah, after back-to-back birdies. Like, here's Spieth. He could be making a run. The storyline of the week. Yeah. And then they just no no show and blasted OB. And then all of a sudden he's in the middle of the fairway and you're not. I think yeah. uh, it was Sky Sports. They said he was he was, had a par attempt, but like it wasn't a par attempt. It was just like, here he is hitting his shot. It just, yeah, I mean, it, that was it a came, huge tee shot for him. It came back and it was like, here's Spieth in the fairway. And they're like, here's Spieth hitting his fourth. And I'm like, hitting his, yeah. hitting <laughs> his what? How? what how? Happened? So. But I think that goes – my point being, I think that goes along with your your line of thinking, which I think is 1,000% correct, that they do – I don't know if this comes from the tour or this comes from CBS or whatever. They don't want to show bad golf, um, which I, I I don't know why. That That is more compelling. Remember when Max Homa, like, shanked one at the, uh, at, 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 at the cameraman in the tower and then that became – and then, like, they tried yeah, to – the then... tour, like, tried to scrub it from the internet. Yeah, and then someone someone had the footage, and I think they re-aired it. Like, uh, yeah, I don't I don't understand the point of. There's a whole story for the round, like why why this happened, why uh, you know Spieth was in contention and then struggled. Like, show the story, just don't show a bunch of shots pieced together. It just something that rattles me. And uh, yeah, that, that was probably this biggest tee shot of Spieth's week. Oh. I think you could argue. Oh yeah, for sure. For and sure. Which by which nothing. by the way. Jordan Spieth is infuriatingly amazing. It's uh, yeah. I hate him and I love him. Like it is so hard to even when he's playing well, Eric. It's so hard to watch. Like he, the guy makes birdies from places he shouldn't. He makes bogeys from places that he should. Like the perfect example of this was I think it was 
It's either Saturday or Sunday. It might have been Sunday. Right off, right off the first tee in the trees, hits a hero, huge hooking. It had to be Sunday. Shot back in front of the green in two. Like, unbelievable rescue shot. Uh, chunks his chip. Which and we didn't pi- see. Which we didn't see. And then pitches up and taps it in for par. Like, that is the Just perfect the... example of he can do awesome from terrible situations, terrible from awesome situations. I, I don't get it. I don't know. One of the few guys where you want to see every, like when he's in the mix, you want to see every shot of his round because the numbers just don't tell the story. Um, you know, he's dropping 40 footers for par. He's missing. He's four putting. It's just, uh, it's, you have to see every shot of him. And uh, yeah, I don't like when you have no skin on, on in the game on speed, it's, it's, it's so hard to figure out how to react. Like you want, you want him to go away when um, you don't have money on him. But if you do, you're like, you're, you're pumped when he's dropping these 40 footers to save par. Like I, it's just such a roller coaster with him, but um, someone you just, you, it's tough to, tough to keep your eye off of. Arguably, arguably like the most entertaining person to watch right now, because yeah, he's, it's either a train wreck good. or it's awesome. He's so good at getting the ball in the hole, which is what golf is all about. He doesn't go about it the you know the how stat nerds like ourselves want him to do it, but he does it a different way, and it's just it's infuriating, but it's also like very very entertaining at the same time. It it is impressive, right? Yeah, if you just if you watch him and you don't you're not keeping track, and then you see posts like a sixty seven or sixty, you're like how the hell did he do that? But you're you're right. Um, any thoughts on the? Uh, I don't know what we're calling it. The confession cam. Yeah, it, it wasn't really much of what it lived up to. A couple, I don't know. Andrew Landry said that no one watches him play anyway, so it doesn't that was feel much part. different. That yeah. was probably the, the best line. Um, it was kind of weird, but uh, I didn't expect much from it. But yeah. Why won't anybody wear a mic? So Rick, Ricky Fowler, the only guy who agreed to this. So I think there's two parts of this. Uh do they not want to wear a bulky mic? And it's not that bulky. It's whatever. Or do they not want to be heard? I, I, I don't really, I don't know if I can put my finger on it, to be honest. Um, I think Will Wilcox, which is, uh, you know, I think he wore one in the Bahamas, said how bulky and, and uncomfortable it is on his back. So maybe mm. it is something to do with that. Um, not being heard is definitely one of them. But, uh, I mean, we heard so much from guys not wearing mics this week. So I didn't, I didn't really mind the fact like whatever, no one wore a mic doesn't really bother me that much, but I think just letting us listen into conversations that we typically don't hear, maybe they, maybe they typically like mute mics because fans are, you know, chatting or boisterous in the background. So now this time they can just kind of crank up the mics and we can hear a lot more. And I just, there's all so many situations I could think of. I mean, the playoff, we definitely heard, um, a lot of chatter between uh, Berger and his and his caddy. Um, there was there were some moments there that were you know, for me I'm watching a lot of golf and then when I hear play your caddies talk I stop what I'm doing and like pay, like pay attention completely yeah. pay attention because I find it just so fascinating. Well, and and I find it fascinating because I want to know if the guy hit the shot that he was trying to hit exactly. Like like you can hit it to a foot, but if if that was if you missed like that was not the you know that was not the aggressive line that we wanted to take. I thought that CBS actively tried to not step on those guys anymore. I actually think Jim Nance 
um, he mentioned it at one point, like, oh, if we're going to get a conversation, we're going to let it we're going to let it go. So I think they were actively taking notes over, you know, over quarantine of what was working and what was not working. But you're right with no ambient sound out there, like throw a couple boom mics at you. We, we did get a, quite a bit of conversation. Man, I mean, Nance, Nance felt like he was talking about mic'd up players. Like this whole weekend was the agenda is like talking about these mics. He was calling. He said every player was asked and only Fowler volunteered. And I think that was debunked pretty quickly because um, Hadwin came out on Instagram saying he volunteered. And then hmm. on Sunday, Nance is like, and Adam Hadwin has agreed to wear a mic. <laughs> it's just like it was this weird kind of back and forth between that the broadcast. Um, I doubt they asked every player. Or if they did, they like you're not going to put a mic on a guy that is not going to be shown, which I understand. But don't say you asked every player and then only Fowler wore one. Um, we, we I can see every, every player in the feature group saying no, but yes, we different. ask every player we care about if they would wear yeah. a mic. <laughs> put, a, put an asterisk beside it because like I spoke with Mackenzie Hughes last week, and he he said he would wear a mic if he was asked, and I guess I don't know if he was ever asked, but it was just um, yeah. Like they're not again, not someone they're going to show on TV, but don't, but don't throw everyone under the bus saying no one's willing to really participate in the broadcast. Yeah, um, is Mackenzie Hughes playing this week? He is. Yeah. Oh, how was that conversation? It was good. Um, he kind of just gave me a behind the scenes look. It was to. It sounded very surprising to him how little, like how different it was. Um, once you do the test, you're just kind of going about your way, which I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. Um, a few little protocols that you got to follow that are different. Uh, he was talking about how it's, it's tougher to deal with equipment manufacturers and like, you can't just trade. They can't just give you a club at the range. They got to put it through like a cleaning station or a cleaning room. So it's little things like that, that they're going to have to get used to. And um, Webb Simpson actually in his press conference today talked about how uh, he was a little uncomfortable with like, usually he's, pretty set in his ways once he does arrive to a facility but mm. now it's you just gotta you know go about it the right way you gotta you can't go into the clubhouse during certain times until you get your test so they're just their their rhythm and their routine was a little um disrupted last week but i'm sure they'll be used to it as this week rolls along and then definitely into next week all right so let's talk about this week uh rbc heritage basically the same awesome field that we that we saw i thought i i retweeted this and i don't even really know the guy who is the source but i trusted that it was right that uh the most the most combined wins for a field uh besides majors besides players championship and besides i think wgc's the three tournaments with the most combined wins were last week this week and next week which is like, we're, like golf is back and the best players in the world are playing. It's yeah. I mean this this field is a replica of last week. I mean you take out, I think you take out like Leishman and add Hideki and Hatton, and it's pretty much the same field, which is amazing for us. And it's uh yeah another exciting kind of venue. Different. You don't see these big guys coming and showing up at RBC Heritage and trying to figure it out usually it's a jim furick luke donald show and now the big boys are rolling into town so it's going to be uh compelling from that from that stance before i forget i was thinking about this with no fans um that burger harold varner the third pairing on sunday had to have been like the most comfortable pairing ever like two guys that are like 
all right, maybe we're not supposed to be in contention. There's not fans following us around out here. Let's just go play golf. And one of them turns out to be the winner. Like, I feel like that type of stuff, like, I, I don't know. Obviously, every player is going to deal with it differently. But, like, that's very comfortable on a Sunday for a guy like Daniel Berger. Yeah, that uh, definitely seems like a laid back pairing that would just kind of nonchalantly cruise to the top of the leaderboard. Um, yeah. But it was, a, yeah, I think I can't remember who said it, but uh, someone pointed out that Colin Morikawa would have somewhat of an advantage because he's only a year removed from playing with no fans at college tournaments, which I found kind of interesting. Um, yeah. He's kind of used to playing in that atmosphere. So, I mean, he's incredible with or without fans, but maybe gave him a bit of a, a mental edge last week. Well, we'll see how he does if uh, he has any scar tissue from a yeah, uh, couple of short missed putts, man. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, though, like the stat profile looks exactly what we what we thought. The, the putters is weakness like he should he should his takeaway. And I know this is very difficult to do. It's easy for me to say, but his takeaway should be like, yeah, I played exactly as I know I can. And I was in contention. I missed a putt. Like, I don't know if he's going to be able to to kind of disassociate that, but like it would be bad if he was a really great putter and he, and he missed two shorties or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, like I think this, that result made sense. Yeah. I mean, he probably can look back and we weren't obviously following his entire week that closely, but I'm sure there was a, a four or five footer on, on Thursday that he missed too. Yeah. It just, the ones under the pressure get magnified that much more, but he, his floor is, I don't like top 20, the way he hits the ball. It's oh, uh guys, absolute stripe show i don't know how else to put it there was back-to-back -back holes where he was 175 out i put this out on twitter that both were inside two feet just like a stupid stupid proximity from over 175 yards and it's like it's consistent they just land and stick right beside the pin it's so fun to watch him um but he's gonna be he's gonna be around for a long time so that's pretty exciting for us yeah get used to it all right, let's uh, let's make our picks. So what we did last week was we each picked a golfer. Um, I didn't really know how we were going to do this. We'll do it by we'll do it by earnings. So I had Bryson. He finished in that big group of guys at T three three hundred and sixty six thousand. You took JT T ten. 181,000. Um, the good news for JT, I guess, is even when he went 65, 65, 68, the first three rounds before he shot one over par on Sunday, like almost after every single round, he was like, yeah, I left like I left two or three shots out there. Like I could have played so much better than this. And when you are 11 under in T10 and you feel like you can play a lot better, uh, watch out world. Yeah, he was missing so many putts by like fractions of an inch on both sides like burning edges on Sunday that um he's we saw this last year when um he he kind of came back and it was just you know ball striking it uh, he was leading the field in strokes he and approach almost every week and it was just one week for that putter to drop and he won the I think it was the BMW so it's going to come for JT probably sooner rather than later I would say um yeah he's uh I thought I thought he was going to bring it a little more on Sunday but again a couple putts here and there and that's the difference this week, um, I, I'll go first because I got more money uh, go with Bryson. Now, I, I won't say the two. I mean, we could probably figure out the two guys I've narrowed this down to. Uh, I'm going to go with Webb. And mostly because I think um, I just think everybody's out on him. I think he was the most popular golfer 
on on DraftKings last week. He misses the cut. He you know lost three strokes on approach in round number one. That's not going to happen again. Like should be a much better fit for him. I will buy low and take Weber. Before you get to me, like what do you think uh, Webb's ownership is going to be this week? Because I'm kind of interested. He's nine K and so not a DFS show, but I I. I I don't know, 12%, something like that. He was like like 24% last week. And here's what I think happens. The one week, the one week sample size is way worse than a zero week sample size. Everyone is just going to be like, wow, screw Rom, screw Webb, screw Harris English, screw Ryan Palmer. Like everyone who was a high owned guy that let people down, I feel like is going to go under owned. And I don't know. Webb's not like the sexiest guy in the world. It's not like he gets a ton of of, of ownership anyway. So, and, and then the influx of cash was a millie maker last week, a millie maker this week with no other sports going on. Like you're getting guys that aren't paying attention to how good like Morikawa is or Webb is, for example. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. I was I was thinking about going back to the well on him too. So um, definitely a guy with some course history that seems to fit. RBC heritage to a T. If you look at recent winners, just kind of accuracy guys. All right. My, I'll go with, uh, I'm going to go with Sungjae. I think sneaky top 10 last week, gained strokes, I think across the board. Um, no reason not to like them. It just kind of, uh, I hope the wind maybe picks up a bit too, which will go bode well for him. Ball striker. I think, uh, I think Sungjae can definitely contend. He's so good. Like he's getting uh, like, he's, he's, I don't understand why he's 33 when Morikawa is 25. Like I got I kind of picture them very, very close to being the same right now. I, I just think you have a lot. I think you have a lot of overreaction. I, yeah. I honestly think you have a lot of overreaction this week. So, that was the quietest T10 from Sungjae. I don't even know if I saw a single shot of his all week because I don't know if he like lined up with the coverage or whatever, but like the guy just, yeah, that was like his floor. That was like his floor week last week. It's unbelievable. Yeah. He didn't play well. I think it was, I think all four rounds were in the sixties though, which is they were forced. Yeah. So just casually cruises to a top 10 with uh yeah, under the radar. It's pretty, uh, pretty good, pretty good floor to have. Um, I, before we go, I just wanted to ask about uh, DJ and Kepka because this is kind of, they're kind of being lumped together in the same, I don't know, same group as power players, but they're both 40 to one, which this week, which is, just jarring to see super jarring um i personally won't bite on that um i i, I recognize the upside but for, like for dj specifically it's been a long time like dj nine of 11 of nine of his last 11 tournaments he's lost strokes putting which is like not a great sign the approach hasn't been all that good either just seems i mean and i never i mean he's always disinterested but he just seems disinterested like this this was um Somebody texted me, maybe producer Jacob from, from CBS sports. He was like, is this the year that DJs win every year ends? And I was like, well, probably because he's playing terrible and also it's a short, short season. season. Yeah. So like that record, was it 10 years in a row? I think it's been a long time. Probably does. I don't think it's going to continue. And then, and then Brooks, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Brooks, I'm just a little bit more optimistic. I mean, he he did it all with his short game last week, which is super scary um, and still didn't finish all that highly. But I, I think I'm more optimistic that he can flip a switch at some point. Yeah, DJ does look a little, I don't know what the word is, unmotivated. I'm not, he was tinkering again with a putter last week. So I, that's something I will check out and see if he's, you know, fooling around with another one this week. But he's one of those guys who gets a new putter almost every week. So I don't know if it matters that much. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kepka. 
Kepka, I, I tagged him in the tweet about about him being thirty five to one. Hopefully, to light a little fire under his guts, because uh, he it's a pretty disrespectful disrespectful price for him. And I think, uh, I mean, this is like a WGC field, so there's no. It's not like a. It's not like he's just warming up. Like this is the cream of the crop. So you know, yeah, man up and go play and go win. Like just show some life. I'd like to see it. That would be cool. Uh, Eric Patterson, you can see his work at the score. What are you doing over at the score? Epat? Keeping on top of news. That's uh, that's what I do on a, a daily basis, I guess. Just trying to keep people informed. I love it. Not you much fun. more to it. News, <laughs> yeah, there you go. news, betting features, you know, the, nor- <laughs> that, the regular That caught stuff. me off guard. It was like, yeah. so like, uh, okay, yeah, no problem. Uh, keeping people informed. Uh, also keeping people informed and up to date on all the latest on Twitter at EPAC golf. I'm Rick game and you can find me at Rick run good. This has been 300 yards to unknown and we'll catch you next time.